Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, March 3rd, 2023. It's about 9 o'clock in the morning on the east coast of the United States, four o'clock in the afternoon in eastern Ukraine, where uh, the place from which Matt Van Dyke joins us live now. Matt, always a pleasure. Welcome back to the show. So where are you and what are you doing there? I'm in the far east of Ukraine, uh, put in the, the Kharkiv region, let's say. Okay. Um, we're out in this part of the country doing a EOD and demining mission. Uh, it's, uh, one that the, the Ukrainians demining capacity is still being built up and they don't have a lot of people who are trained to do this kind of work. And when you say demining, you're looking for mines that the Russians planted and you're neutering them before somebody from the Ukraine side gets killed by them. Right. In the past, we've been only a training organization, but because of the lack of deminers here, in addition to training, we're actually going out and doing hands-on landmine right, so protection. You, you're, you're so smart. You anticipated my next question because I, th I was going to say, I thought you were just doing training, but it seems to me you're getting a little closer to military work by actually hands-on Russian mines. Right. There's uh, there's still a lack of specialized skill like that in the Ukrainian military. And no matter how, how many we try to train, it's going to take a very long time before they build up that capacity. I mean, if you look at if the Russians are firing 50,000 artillery rounds a day, as they were several months ago, and the failure rate could be 10 to 20 percent on artillery rounds, you're going to have, you know, five to 10,000 rounds as unexploded ordnance landing on the ground that need to be detected and removed in addition to the intentionally set landmines. So it's a problem that largest landmine problem in the world and one that'll be taking decades to resolve. Let me uh, put up a picture. There it is. Now you sent this uh, to us early this morning. What are we looking at, Matt? That's one of the mines on location from the field. Uh, we sent a few photos like that. My, my EOD expert who's had 20 years experience, he's ex-army, he's also done a lot of contracting, called it the gnarliest landmine situation he's ever seen. They're, they're getting hits pretty much everywhere they go. Uh, with by, the by, by gnarly, he means they're, they're intertwined and they're, and they're everywhere. You don't even know where to put your feet down. Right, exactly. It's an extremely dangerous situation. Uh, we were asked to do it. We actually had to sign waivers. Well, with the Ukrainian government for this mission. Meaning what? Uh, if you get if you get blown up, your estate can't sue them? Yes, essentially. No, that it's Gary, can you, Gary can you put the picture back up, uh, please? Matt, is that two mines that we're looking at? Are those two things nearly identical? Yeah, I, I believe that's that's one of the pictures of the two mines together. I sent a few, but I don't know if they all got through in time with the connection. Okay, so why, why would anybody plant two mines so close to each other or again, uh, they just haphazardly uh, planted? 
no, in that case, I think these these are mines that my guys recovered and set out just just for display to show what the mines look like. Okay, so that's that's what I think that, that case was. Those things that we're looking at have already been uh, neutered, so to speak. Right. Okay. I want to run a, a video you sent us early this morning as well. Take a look at it and tell us who's in it, what we're watching. I think we hear your voice. I'm not sure. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, we just walked through there. It's muddy. Now, what are we looking at and where is that uh, taken? Uh, that was taken on site in the east. These are these are my crew. It wasn't my my voice. I'm en route to the site right now. Okay. Uh, they're out there working now. So they just sent me the the video of of where they are and the work they're doing. All right, we're gonna we're gonna run it again so that you can see it again. I really want you to tell me exactly right. what what they're doing there. Gary, run it again, please. That's the one. Okay, uh, yeah, we just walked through there. It's muddy. So what are those boxes okay. and what is the military gear that, that we see? I assume that that's right. Ukraine. It's not Russia. This is Ukraine, but there's a Russian position that was abandoned by Russians. Uh, there's a lot of ditched uniforms, ammo boxes. Uh, that was one of the fighting positions from earlier in the war in the battles in that area in eastern Ukraine. Uh, they told me there is there are Russian uniforms everywhere. Uh, either from wounded or dead Russians or ones that ditched their uniforms and ran uh, when Ukrainians approached during their withdrawal. That was one of their fighting positions there. Is that a, a common tactic if, if um, the Ukrainian forces win a battle that the Russians will ditch their uniforms, put civilian clothes on and disappear into the, uh, into the villages or the woods or wherever they go so they can't be captured? Yes, in some cases they do that. Uh, if they're seen by their commanders, they get shot for retreating. But when they can get away with that, they try to do it. Uh, a lot of Eastern Ukraine speaks Russian primarily, so it's not too difficult for them to, to be able to do that and blend in for a while, um, especially if they're in an area that is that only has Russian sympathizers left in the town. Then they can pull it off for a while, but eventually they usually get caught. Without being too specific, how, how close are you to a military uh, conflagration uh, right now? Um, right now, I'm, I'm a bit away, but my guys are in an area where there is, uh, you know, as, as much of Ukraine, there's artillery fire in the distance and so on. Um, no danger of getting hit by small arms fire, but the main danger are the landmines and, and there's artillery risk as well. Uh, you also pointed out to us a story that's been out there and which quite frankly, I hadn't seen until this morning, as much as I read, obviously I miss something of this guy, John McIntyre, an American, um, army veteran who joined, uh, the Ukraine forces, uh, under some sort of subterfuge as a Russian spy, uh, and then defected and took with him Intel maps, uh, and other, uh, equipment and is now somewhere in Russia boasting about this is this is this for real is this a is this a credible story i have confirmed it is for real uh there's people i know involved with the international legion who are obviously very upset about this um you know i i hope he likes living in russia because i don't think he's going to be able to come back to the u.s uh, at least not safely um well you know i, he's, I, uh, I have to ask you this and i think i know the answer 
this guy was not part of your group, was he? No, of course not. We we have a very uh, robust screening process. From everything that he said, he would never bait our cut to begin so, with. Um, this is U.S. military, legitimately leaves the military, volunteers to join the Ukraine forces, fights with the forces, very ostentatiously manifesting hatred for Russia, and then right. one day is gone with maps and intel and, and iPads, and he's on the other side in Russia boasting about how he tricked the Ukraines and was really a Russian spy. Do I have that right? Yes, I believe he did two years in the army. I'm not sure what his discharge terms were with, with only two years in. Um, he claims to be a communist uh, wanting to fight fascism. It's, it's a strange case. I don't know if he realizes that Russia is not a communist country anymore. Uh, he is going to be very disappointed living there. Uh, it's a country where, you know, a good proportion of the population doesn't even have uh, indoor toilets. So, I mean, his conditions might be better, but he certainly chose the wrong side to move to a country that is ostracized by the world under sanctions. And you know, I just hope he likes the cold and and uh, learns the language quickly there, because I don't know where else he's going to go after that. What is your uh, view of how uh, the battle is going? The perception here in the West is that Russia's progress is slow but inexorable. It's, it is slow. Uh, it is steady. Essentially today, Bakhmut fell. Uh, it hasn't quite been called, but bridges are being blown across the river on the West right, now side. That, so now that is news, Matt. It's, you know, it's nine right. o'clock here in the East coast and the major media entities have not reported that Bakhmut uh, fell. So you're, you're giving us some hot news from the ground. Uh, I'm assuming you you have your sources and you wouldn't be saying this to us if you didn't uh, honestly believe it to be so. Right. I mean, there's always the fog of war, so I'm hesitant to call it 100 percent. But from what I'm from what I'm reading of accounts from people who were there and what I'm hearing, um, it's it's essentially done now uh, and, and bridges are being blown on the west side of the city, which is the city that the Ukrainians would be accessing the city from. So if they blow in the bridges, presumably they've pulled out. Uh, the forces and don't plan on getting back into the city. city this, too this much. This is a so. major setback for uh, President Zelensky, is it not? Uh, I think it was a, I mean, it's been coming. It's been known. I think people have been prepared for it for months. It was how long can they hold the city before it does fall? Um, it was inevitable that it would fall. I don't know if it's going to be interpreted as a, as a big setback for him. It's certainly going to hurt morale here. Uh, but I think people knew it was coming long enough because of, of, as we said, the Russian progress has been slow, but fairly steady, especially in Bakhmut. I want you to take a look at uh, a brief clip, maybe 45 or 50 seconds from a documentary President Zelensky made and pay attention, if you would, to the very end of it in which he uses some exceptionally harsh and threatening uh, language uh, about President Putin. Володимир Путін просто відмовляв. Прямої відмови мені ніхто не робив, але всі лідери, з ким я спілкувався, говорили, що він не готовий спілкуватися. Чи є у вас зараз бажання чи намір спілкуватися? Ні. Зараз я не готовий з ним спілкуватися. Точно буде момент, коли буде відчуватися крихкість режима Путіна всередині їх держав. Тоді хижаки з'їдять хижака. Це дуже важливо, але їм потрібна буде причина для себе. І вони згадають слова Камарова, 
Зеленському ще когось. Вони згадають. Він знайде для себе причину вбити вбивцю. Дуже красиво сказали. Ну, от, тим не менш, я думаю, що тому це не зайве. Чи це спрацює? Так, коли, я не знаю. So I see two takeaways there. One is he's not President Zelensky is not interested in talking to President Putin or even initiating talks at, at the ministerial uh, level. And two, he's calling upon the Russian people to kill President Putin. The predators will eat a predator. You, you of course, uh, can give your own interpretation and, and tell us what you think. H- had you seen that before? No, I haven't seen it before. Uh- You know, why, I, why would he make a documentary like that? Propaganda. I mean, the Ukrainians are the best at propaganda I've ever seen. Um, and that's a compliment. I mean, the things that they do with video here are Hollywood quality all the time. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, if, if any U.S. political campaign did it, they'd blow everyone else out of the water the way they do things here. Um, you know, it's, I think it's unlikely that Putin's people are going are gonna to rise up and overthrow him. He'll probably die of natural causes. Uh, that's that's kind of a you know a big wish that that the war could end in such a way and and really there are people worse than Putin who could who could come after him so but as far well, you, as um, you uh, you probably heard the uh, statements by former uh, Russian president Dmitry Medvedev uh, last week in which he said it might be necessary for the Russian forces to go all the way to the Polish border and it might be necessary for the Russian forces to go into Poland. I mean, that is, unless that's a message from the Kremlin itself, that is far worse than anything President Putin has suggested. Putin has been measured and moderate compared to that. Right. He's vying to be a successor of Putin. So, you know, that that was largely for for a home country consumption, those statements, and, and very fanciful. I mean, of course, if Russia can't even get through eastern Ukraine, they're not going to be able to get to, to eastern Poland. Uh, every time like you this. every time yeah. you have come to us, it's been from the safety and relative comfort of a of a building in Kiev. I say relative comfort because sometimes you've lost uh, electricity. Now you're in a military vehicle somewhere uh, in the east. Is this an indication uh, that there's more of a need for your team uh, almost embedded with the Ukraine military and that they would prefer you be east rather than in Kiev? Uh, that is the case. Early on, when I first appeared on your show, I did appear from Konstantinivka, which is right near Bakhmut. And that was with a unit that we had trained that was that was doing missions into Bakhmut. Uh, so I, I have appeared from, from the East before. Uh, but yes, I'm going to be out, out more in the field. Uh, the war is is taking some turns here that that we really need to, uh, to do a lot more work East, uh, which we've always been willing to do. Uh, it's just a matter of the requests that we get and what's needed. And now we're getting requests to, to get out here and help clear these areas uh, in anticipation of Russian offensive um, you, and to give the military access to, to get to areas that they need to get to. Do you expect a request for your team to take up arms? Uh, we don't get those kind of requests. Uh, there are members of my team, including myself, who are exploring options for taking up arms separate from the organization. All right, my dear man, stay well. I think you have some uh, other, you're, you're going to be with us next week and you may have some more breaking news uh, at that time. Uh, we, of course, know how to reach you, wish you well and appreciate uh, all the time you spend with us. 
Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Of course. Judge Napolitano, more as we get it. Bakhmut fell. You haven't seen or heard that anywhere yet as of 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Friday, March 3rd, 2023. You heard it first here. More as we get it. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.